0: Hey y'all, happy Wednesday? Wednesday Wednesday? Happy Wednesday. Happy day after Valentine's Day. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You're listening to your Chantel speaks. It's been a while. I missed you guys so much. I apologize for not making episodes and missing the New Year and Valentine's Day. I hope you guys had a great holiday season if you celebrate. And yeah, I've just been doing Bible studies and things on Facebook and I haven't I've been neglecting you guys and I feel really bad, but I'm ready to jump back in by God's grace. I have a lot of new content planned for you and I'm really excited and looking forward to it. And the first thing that we're going to be talking about in this new year, new season, um, new month of February, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, we're going to be talking about love. And I have so much to say about it. (laughs) God's put a lot on my heart. So it's going to be different parts. I'm not sure exactly how many but we'll just move with the spirit and yeah so we're gonna be talking about love we're gonna be talking about love okay so the first thing i wanted to talk about is like we know valentine's day just passed so we've been seeing a lot of worldly love right and so what's valentine's day valentine's day when you show fondness to somebody through giving right and this is actually a biblical principle right john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave right so we know that out of love people give out of love people sacrifice this is a biblical principle right but in our world we've changed it it's been changed to kind of become like for lack of a better phrase like a pissing contest like look at how big my gift is my boyfriend loves me more my man loves me more Um, and it's usually the one day where people actually give the one set day where people choose to give, whereas biblically, you know, we're told to give all the time. Um, so we see the difference in that way, but the the principle of giving, sacrificing out of love is a biblical principle. Um, but like I said, it's kind of turned into like a pissing contest of like, oh, this is what love looks like. This is what, you know, giving flowers, giving these materialistic items um has become a display of of love or it's become a way of calculating love so when i think of love there's a few stories that come to mind a few scriptures and we're going to go through these if not in this episode in the other episode but today i just wanted to lay some foundational understanding i wanted us to look at what the biblical definition of love is Right. Because as I said, we have like this worldly definition that we see, which is like flowers, balloons. Um, Another thing I was thinking about is in the world, love is like ignoring the sins of others. Right. Like, oh, I love you. So I accept you as you are. And I'm not going to I don't care what you do with your life as long as it doesn't affect me. Right. This is like a very worldly view of love, whereas a Christian view of love is who the father loves, he corrects. So out of out of love, I'm going to correct you out of love. I'm going to call you out of your sin. I'm going to condemn your sin. Not the person, but the sin. Out of love, um, love is patient, love is kind, love love endures all wrongs, right? Whereas, um, or love keeps no record of wrongdoings, right? Whereas in the world, I'm going to forgive and I'm not going to forget, right? So we have this dynamic um, where in the world, we're taught, like, these are good things. These are good principles for love in the world. um, But just because they're good in the world's eyes doesn't mean they're God. Doesn't mean that they're biblical, Right. So we also want to stray away from this language of good versus bad, because first of all, it's not good if it's not of God, because God is goodness. There's no goodness separate from him, right? But we want to stray away from this language of good and bad, and we want to turn it into the language of biblical and not biblical. And even when you're having conversations with people who are not Christian, you want to stay away from the language of good and bad. And and even Christians, you want to stay away from good and bad and let's talk scripture let's talk biblical let's not talk what i think about it let's not talk what i feel but let me show you the scripture right and you'll have a more productive conversation in that way so that's just a little fun tidbit so we're going to go over the different types of love um, and i'm going to give you guys some scriptures as well but also i just want to start by saying right now i'm sitting in my basement in this couch by this window absolutely gorgeous We moved a few months ago and there's all these nice rooms in our new house by God's grace. There's like this huge porch deck. I don't know the difference between a porch and a deck, but it's like elevated and you can see all the trees. And I remember when we were moving in, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to do this. I also have a studio here. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. You know, just making all these plans. Um, but then I got so comfortable in my room, and I'm always in my room, and I never really move around that much, right? And so I think that's a good metaphor. Y'all already knew it was a metaphor. You knew I wasn't just on here talking about being in my room. Um, <laughs> so you know that this is a good metaphor for our relationship with Christ, right? We have all of these opportunities to grow closer, closer to Christ. We have all of these resources, all of these things that are accessible to us once we enter the kingdom, right? once we accept Christ as our Lord and savior, right? All of these things that are accessible to us, um, the Bible tells us that we are not citizens of earth, but we are citizens of heaven. That is in, I was literally just reading that scripture. (laughs) Let me find it for you guys. Yes, so that's in, that scripture is in Philippians 3.20 and it says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we eagerly wait for him to return as our savior. So we, we are not citizens of here, right? So as citizens of heaven, we need to have our minds set on heavenly principles. We have to be operating in, like, I don't know if you guys know a lot about citizenship. And that's not a knock on anyone because I don't know a lot about citizenship. (laughs) But I do remember when I was becoming a citizen, you know, they made me say, all of my loyalty is to America. I stand with America. You know, everything that you have to know all these questions about America, your loyalty, allegiance is to America. You operate in an American way, whatever that means, right? So as citizens of heaven, this is not where I'm from. I'm visiting, right? Yes, that's perfect. I'm here for work. I'm here for on a mission, right? But my citizenship is is of heaven. So I'm not going to come here and just act like everyone who's here. I'm going to rely on my heavenly principles, right? So God has given us all of these rooms in the house, all of these heavenly principles, things for us to apply, things for us to grow from, but we get so comfortable in our rooms that we don't grow, that we don't learn, that we don't change. So I'm hoping that with this lesson that we're going to go through on love, because we know love is the principal thing, the most important the Bible tells us, so we need to make sure we understand what love is, how do we love, what does love even mean? So we're just going to go through all of these foundational things. Okay, so the other point that I want to make as well when we're talking about the difference between especially citizenship and heaven, and so just another example to tie everything together is I used to always hear the quote, you know, I I can't pour from an empty cup, right? And so they'd say this in like team meetings or whatever, um, and the sentiment behind that is like you need to take care of yourself, you need to love yourself, you need to make sure that you're filled because how can you give? if you don't have anything to give, right? So that sounds good, right? That sounds very, you know, good, right? However, we know that the Bible tells us that we're filled. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, that our cup never runs empty, that our cup overflows. We know that these are scriptural things. So we're never worried about our cup running dry. We're never worried about how much we have. We're never giving giving only because we have abundance but we're giving because God has told us to give, right? So even just little nuances like that make such a big difference, right? And just the thinking behind certain things. So that's another reason why we have to make sure we're saying in our word, Romans 12, 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And the NLT version I really like, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior and customs. So the word conformed, it has this connotation of I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be a sellout, right? I'm not gonna change who I am, who I'm called to be into what's around me, right? But I like this word too, don't copy, because that has more of a connotation of don't just start doing that, right? Don't, don't fall into that trap. Don't become that, right? So it all means the same thing, but I like the word don't copy. Um, So in not copying, we have to renew our minds. How do we renew our minds? By spending time in God's presence. How are we transformed by the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus, right? And then the second part of that verse is that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, right? So all goodness is of God. How do we know God's will? How do we know what's good? How do we know what's acceptable and perfect? Do we know because the world is saying this is good? Do we know because the world is saying, hey, love looks like this. Your man needs to buy you a teddy bear and he loves you, you know, and and then that's how you know you're in love, right? If we are operating on Christian principles, if we want to have a godly marriage, if we want to have godly relationships with others, if we want to give, if we want to love as God has called us to love, we have to understand What God has said love is, not what the world has said, right? Because we're not going to copy the world. So that's another reason why this is very important. So let's go ahead and jump into it. So there's four main types of love um, that are talked about in the Bible. There's a lot more, but there's four overarching big ones that people usually focus on. And we're going to go ahead and dive into those. So the first one is Eros. And this refers to romantic or sexual love, specifically sexual. This is where you get the word erotic, and a good example of like eros would be like songs of Solomon type energy. Like <laughs> we see examples of this a lot in the Old Testament. Te- Testament. Oh my gosh, in the Old Testament, <laughs> to express the physical and sensual intimacy between a husband and a wife. Um, and then, however, and but in modern times, the word is confused with vulgarity because of You know, it's using the word erotic, which has to do with, like, sexual arousal, which is very interesting, right? And this is exactly what I was kind of alluding to before with we have these biblical concepts, right? And the world takes it and it distorts it, right? Oh, if you love, you give. Okay, well, I'm going to give you flowers on Valentine's Day, so that means I love you, right? Um, Or, okay, God is saying eros, love, sex within a marriage, right? And then the world turns it to erotica, porn, OnlyFans all of this crazy stuff. So that's why we always have to make sure that we're going back into the word, into the Bible, and understanding the the root of it and getting the pure unchanged version of it. So that's what Eros means. The next one, and I have a lot of notes here, so I'm going back and forth. So that was Eros. So the second one is Storje, Storge, I looked it up to make sure I was pronouncing that correctly, because it looks like Storge, S-T-O-R-G-E. And this is used for familial love, mother for her baby, brother for her sister, brother for his sister, Storge itself. And then like um, positive form is not in the Bible, but the opposite form is used twice in the New Testament, which is Astorge. Which, sorge, <laughs> which means without love, devoid of affection, without affection to kindred, hard-hearted, unfeeling. And it's found in Romans and 2 Timothy. In Romans one thirty-one, unrighteous people are described as foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And so that word heartless is the astorjos. And then in 2 Timothy 3.3, 3, the disobedient generation living in last days is marked as heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God. So once again, that heartless is a storge. That's basically what storge means, like brother, sister type love. So when someone says, you know, you're heartless, a lot of times it takes a lot for people to say that someone is heartless and it means you don't care about the people that you should care about. Right. And so the people you should care about, quote unquote, according to the world are your family. Right. So that's where the storge comes from. So that's like the lowest minimum, bare minimum, you care about your family, right? So that's where that's coming from. The next word is philia. Philia. So when you think of philia, think of feelings. And this is interesting because in Romans 12, 10, there's a compound of storge and philia, philo storgeus. (laughs) I'm butchering these words, but I hope you guys can get where i'm coming from in use name. so love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor so the word for love there is philo storgia and that means loving dearly being devoted being very affectionate loving in a way characteristic of the relationship between husband and wife mother and child father and son so the word philia itself it refers to friendship and camaraderie and this word is often translated as friend in the new testament And so I really like this word because it really shows a distinction I was trying to make earlier. As I was researching this word, I saw that Aristotle said that philia is the highest form of love that anyone could have. So and similarly in this world, philia is seen as like the highest form of love, which is like, I love you because you love me or I have your back because you have my back so even Philadelphia fun fact comes from the word philia and Philadelphia means brotherly love a love of equals who are united in a common purpose pursuit good or end thus philia refers to a love based on mutual respect shared devotion joint interests and common values it is a love near and dear friends have for one another like you know we're on the same page that's my best friend you know that type of that type of word and we see it in James 4, 4. You adulterous people, do you not know the friendship with the world is an enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Philia affiliated. Wow. God is <laughs> that just came to me. Philia affiliated, right? We are affiliated. And there's some here's some other verses for you. So let brotherly brotherly love continue in Hebrews 13.1. So that's used positively. That's in that's the word Philia now concerning brotherly love you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourself have been taught by god to love one another so that's used in first thessalonians 4 9. so and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love second peter 1 7. but what's interesting is in all of these verses god is using philia as a way to talk about agape right which we're going to get into next but what i mean by that is philia is Right, brotherly affection, right? So it's like a family word. So, you know, loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And this is seen in John thirteen, thirty-four, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Be this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So it's like a family affiliation. We're all Christians, Philia, 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 right? Affiliated. That's where the word filia is coming from. It also can mean a positive feeling of liking. So, you know, feelings, philia. And so, like I said, in American culture, not even American culture, in the world, um, for non-Christians, philia is the greatest thing, right? You love me. I love you. You have my back. I have my back. We're best friends. Da da We're on the same page. We get along, you know? So, in American culture, philia is the cream of the crop, right? But God is calling us not only to have filia, but he's calling us to have agape love. So let's get into what agape love is. So agape is used to speak of God's love that he has for the world and that Christians are supposed to emulate. So this word is what's used in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? So the word there is agape, as I just said. And I want us to break down John 3.16, because when I think about love, and just break down the whole scripture as a whole. When I think about love, or whenever if I was to say, okay, tell me a verse with love, your first instinct would probably be John 3.16, or maybe love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, we know these verses. And both of these verses use agape, by the way. So what's really interesting. About John three sixteen, a lot of people don't know the context of John three sixteen. Which I'm trying to figure out if I should tell you or if that should be the homework assignment to learn the context and we discuss it next week. Mm. Okay, we're gonna do that. So I want you guys to look up the context of John three sixteen, and we talk about it next week. But John three sixteen. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. So what's beautiful about this is Jesus is the one who's saying this, right? And he's explaining. like, look at me about to give you guys a context when I just told you that's homework. Sorry. Forget all that. Anyways, (laughs) what I want to say about this verse is like we were talking about before, he loved, so he sacrificed, right? So that everyone Everyone, 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 some versions say whoever, some some versions say so that whoever believes, so that anyone who believes, so that all who believe, right? And the point is everyone has access to this, not based on merit, not because we're, you know, best friends, not because you earned it, not because you deserve it, not because you had my back that one time. So I'm going to have your back too, right? Which is that philia, right? Because the philia is an exchange. You're you're doing something for me. You deserved it. You earned it. You're holding me down, right? We could never earn God's love. We could never deserve God's love. It was a free gift, right? And I want us to really meditate on that and really understand that. Because, you know, I feel like we do, under like, to an extent. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, it was a free gift. Yay, right? But it's like really understand that because not only did you receive it, But God is calling us to also give that type of love. The type of love that it's not because it's Valentine's Day. It's not because you're my boyfriend. It's not because you're my mom. It's not because you have my back. So I'm going to repay the favor. But you can do absolutely nothing for me. You're a complete stranger. It doesn't matter who you are. You're a widow. You're an orphan. There's no way for you to repay me back. But I'm still going to do this for you because my father did it for me. Right, so it's a very deep thing that we have to understand, and another verse that uses agape is "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind," and that's Matthew twenty two thirty seven. And also in Matthew twenty two thirty nine, the second is also like it: "You shall love the the na- you shall love the neighbor of you as yourself." Sorry, I'm reading the into interlinear version, so the words are kind of it's a direct translation, but in the and. In the um, KJV version, it says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Which is exactly what I said. (laughs) But the word there is also agape, right? So with your whole heart, with no holding back, with no feelings of repayment, nothing like that, right? And so... I wanted to talk a little bit more about that verse. So the statement, love your neighbor as yourself, is not a command to love yourself. And I think a lot of times people read it and they're like, oh, so it's okay to love yourself, right? Even though in Galatians, the Bible says that one of the fruits of the flesh is being a lover of yourself, right? Um, the Bible says in the last times, we will be lovers of self, right? So being a lover of yourself is not a good thing. Um, and it's, it's natural and normal to love yourself. It's our default position. You know, you're going to take care of yourself. You're going to, buy yourself nice clothes. You're going to feed yourself, you know, whether you deserve it or not. Right. Um, and there's no lack of self love in our world. Cause like, you know, we we're talking about earlier, our world is a very self love place. You do you, boo. You feel good. You go off of your emotions. You love yourself no matter what. Right. Um, you do whatever you feel like. Right. So the command to love your neighbor as yourself is really telling us to treat other people as we treat ourselves. So the same way that you're going to still love on yourself, you're still going to forgive yourself. You're still going to defend yourself, be there for yourself, have that same energy towards others. And scripture never commands us to love ourselves. Like the Bible never says, love yourself, you know, <laughs> have your own back because it assumes we already do. Um, and in fact, people in their unrenegate condition, love themselves too much. Like without God, Without renewal of our mind, we, our default is we love ourselves too much. Even though the Bible says there is no good thing in the flesh. We so love our flesh. I'm so beautiful. I'm the baddest. I'm the best of the best. Da, 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 da. Um, but all of these things aren't biblical, which is another reason why I really thought it was important to do these series so that we can renew our minds and understand what, what does the Bible say that biblical love looks like? Because how can we have these successful relationships? How can we do what God is calling us to do? if we don't understand what the Bible looks like. And I also wanted to share the parable of the Good Samaritan, because there was only one person who showed themselves to be a true neighbor, to, who showed true agape. And the story is in Luke 10, 30 to 37. And so if you know the story, there was two other people who passed by, a priest and a Levite, and they both refused to help the man in need. And the, their failure to show love to the injured man was not because they loved themselves too little, It was because they loved themselves too much and they were putting their interests first. Like, I don't have time. I got to be somewhere. I'm scared. You know, like they were putting their own interests first. But the Samaritan showed true love. He gave of his time, resources, and money with no regard for himself. And his focus was outward, not inward. Right. And this goes back to the analogy I gave you guys in the beginning where, you know, the world says, Oh, you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. The world tells us that we need to, care for ourselves we we shouldn't look at others we need to make sure we have our own things right but in christianity we're taught to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others philippians 2 3 to 4 right so according to that verse loving ourselves loving others requires humility a valuing of others and a conscious effort to put the interests of others first and so anything less than that is selfish and vain, and it falls short of the standard of Christ, right? So in the, in the world, right, it's like, oh, that's cool. Care about yourself. Yeah, you put yourself first. You don't know worry about him. You you do you, boo, right? But this is the exact opposite of what Christ is saying. So this doesn't mean that, you know, you see yourself as worthless. This doesn't mean any of that, because the Bible tells us that we're created in the image of God. So that in itself is, a, is, is our sense of worth right? That's our sense of self-esteem. So we have to have balance. We have to look at the biblical view. We have to see that God loves us in spite of our sin. We were redeemed by Christ and in his love, through his love, we love others. So whenever we're thinking about our self, 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 that's something that we want out of the way so we can love others the way that God is calling us to love others, which is why we are supposed to kill our flesh every morning, right? So that we can love others the way that God has called us to love others. So in Christianity, it's so like we said in the world, Philia is the best, the highest form of love. According to Aristotle, um, that is the highest form of love where we both have each other's backs, you do right by me, I do right by you. But the Bible in Christianity, the highest form of love is agape. And that's the unconditional love, the highest form of love, charity, the love of God for man, and the man and of man for God. And that's in contrast. To philia, which is brotherly love, self-love, um, because agape embraces universal, unconditional love that transcends and persists regardless, 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 regardless of circumstance. So it's very important for us to understand the concept of love, especially because 1 Corinthians 13, 3, 13, 13 tells us the greatest of all the commands is love. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So it's important for us to understand love. um, And the word there is agape, as I think I said before. So it's important for us to understand love. And I also really love this verse as well, which is in Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk kindly with God. And so I really love that so the word there is habat which is really interesting so this is um like i said these are four words that um, are commonly used in scripture or four words that we use to describe love and i really like it because you know in english we just have love right like i love my shoes i love pizza i love my husband i love my kids right we have the same word for love for everything yet in the hebrew the greek they had different words for love they had a Like we just went through a word for love for friends, love for family, love for sex, love for um, unconditional love, love as a means of loyalty, right? So they had all these different words for love. So it's very important for us to understand the context and to go back and see exactly what these words mean, because it also helps us deeper our understanding of love. It also puts things into perspective. Um, And it's just, it's helpful. So you can look at an interlinear Bible. They have one for free on biblehub.com. That's the one I use and I love it. Um, But yeah, so back to this. So in the scripture, they use the word habat, which is interesting because I was also thinking about um, Jonathan and David. And, you know, in that passage, the word for love has clear political and diplomatic connotations. So the word habat was also used there in first samuel 18 and between david and jonathan and it was like with a covenant they had made to like for like friendship and the word used there was habat but that word has clear political and diplomatic connotations so it's very important to know the connotations of stuff um just because like this is kind of random but people used to say like oh david and jonathan they think that they were like homosexual you know people can really twist things in the Bible, if you don't have a thorough understanding of it. Um, so one thing I recommend is, you know, whenever you're reading the Bible, if something thinks like, if, if, if something or if someone says to you like, oh, this is a contradiction, it says this here, it says this there, I would go back and look at the Greek and Hebrew words so that you can understand what was being said, if that makes sense. So for example, like we just said, the Bible tells us not to be lovers of self, yet it says love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? But those words for love are different. So it's important for us to have the context, it's important for us to understand, um, and it just brings a lot of understanding. (laughs) Understanding brings understanding. I just wanted to take that, I'm glad that we were able to go through that and I wanted to take take it another step further. So like I said, the English language is limited because it only has one word for love, so it can strip the meaning out of verses sometimes because the other language were, were richer in terms of having more words. But I also wanna make the point that you know even the words that we have here, even the word agape, you know, this is not a Christian term. Like Christians didn't come up with the word agape. Like this is a worldly term. It's a Greek term. So we have to understand the limitations even in that. And you might be like, Chantel, what do you mean the limitations even in that? So (laughs) so what I mean by the limitations in that the same way that I could say the sun is very hot, right? And it's like, okay, yeah, the sun is hot, I agree. But would I say the hotness of the sun is the same as the hotness of the stove? And it's like, no, those are two different hots, right? But the same word is used to describe both. But the way that I'm going to tell you the difference, which I don't know if these are true, I don't know a lot about the sun, but if I was like, okay, if you're within a thousand feet of the sun, you're going to explode because it's so hot, right? So once I give you that story and that perspective, now the word heat has a different level to it, if that makes sense. So similarly, when we say the word agape, right? So these are just words that we're trying to use to characterize God. But how can we ever characterize God, right? So it's important that we read our Bible, that we renew it in the mind, that we understand past just the words, right? And so another verse that I wanted to give to you guys to encourage us all, first of all, is 2 Peter 318, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? So every day we should be growing in grace and knowledge. But also, even though we know what all these words mean, which is great, there's even a study to understand um, and be able to vocalize and have reasoned arguments to justify something specifically religious doctrine so there's a lot of christian apologetics who can explain everything to you who can be like this means this and this means that and dee, 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 dee. and it's really great but one thing that we also have to keep in mind always is first Corinthians 2:14 the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned so all the things we're talking about i'm talking about them with the assumption that you already believe in God that you've already accepted him into your life that you've already been filled with the holy spirit because i could tell you what all of these words mean but if god doesn't open your eyes if you haven't given your life onto him then it will never mean anything on to you. it will never mean anything to you so what i mean by that too is i actually did a study on lydia which i just realized i never recorded for my podcast so i'll be happy to do that episode for you guys if you'd like it but um in Acts 16:14 the bible says that the lord opened her heart to respond to paul's message so the lord opened her heart and the nlt says the lord opened her heart and she accepted what paul was saying right so the lord has to open your heart to hear what he has to say right so i can sit here and tell you da 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 this means this and agape and philia and you know all of this great stuff which which will help us in our understanding when we are already Christians, when we've already accepted it, when we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. But if we have not done these things, then these are just words, right? And this the natural man, right, who is all of us, we are all natural, we were all born into sin, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be foolishness onto you, and we'll never be able to discern it because it's spiritually discerned. So I just want to take this opportunity to, you know, ask and say if you haven't accepted Jesus into your life, there's no better time than today. The Bible says that the time is closer now to his coming than it was when we first believed. So every day we get closer to um, to Jesus coming, to the rapture, to you never know when you're going to die. I know this is coming out super morbid, but it's the truth. It's the truth that we have to face head on. So I would like to give the opportunity for us to accept Jesus into our heart. And all we have to do is A, B, C, accept, believe, and confess. Um, before, but before we get into that, I also just wanted to end on this note, kind of goes back into like the philia um, and the storge, which is the philia, which is the brotherly love. Um, but this is in Matthew 12, 46 to 50. And when Jesus was talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside waiting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers, pointing to his disciples. He said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven, he is my brother and my sister and mother. And I bring this verse up because another thing that happens in the world is we're very like loyalty, right? Like that's my brother. That's my best friend. So I'm going to be there for them. And that's great and fine. But God is telling us that everyone who believes we're family, right? Right. So we have to be there for everyone equally. We have to treat everyone in the same way. And so I really like that first. And then finally, since we're talking about Valentine's Day and how, you know, the world sees, you know, the the amount of gifts you receive as a sign of the love that is had for you. And I just want to say also, um, and I also mentioned, you know, that out of love we give, right? But I also just want to make sure I'm making the distinction that Everyone who loves gives, and sacrifices, right? But not everyone who gives loves. One more time, everyone who loves gives, but not everyone who is giving loves, right? And so, First Samuel sixteen seven tells us, the Lord does not see as mortals see; they look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And I love this verse. This verse is coming from when Samuel went to go um, when. Saul had messed up a lot god was like hey there's don't stop crying don't worry about Saul. i'm gonna raise up a new king go to this man's household who was david's dad's household he has sons i'll tell you which one and samuel went and he was looking at david's brothers and he was like this one looks great or he's tall and he's handsome this must be him this must be him and god said no like these are not him don't don't look at the outward appearance but look at the heart. And so I think that's an important message now, especially around the time of like romance and you see all these couples and maybe you're in a relationship, maybe you're desiring a relationship, whatever's going on. But it's very important that as mortals, we look on the outside. Okay, he got her Louis Vuitton bag. He did this. He loves her. He loves her, right? But God is looking at the heart. And similarly, as Christians, if we're acting Through the Holy Spirit, if God lives within us, if God dwells within us, if we are God's ambassadors here on earth, we shouldn't be looking at the outward outward appearance, but we should be looking at the heart. And similarly, when we do things, we don't do things because of how it looks, of what other people are going to think, but we do it from our heart, right? And I just also wanted to give, there's so much I wanted to give you guys. I don't know. This definitely has to be multiple, multiple, multiple parts, (laughs) But um, I'll end with this, and then we'll do the ABCs, right? So I want to talk about the widow's offering, which is a verse I freaking adore. One of, one of my favorite, favorite verses. So this is in Mark twelve forty one. There's a lot of goodies in Mark 12. So Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And I wanted to make a couple points with this. The first one being, like I was talking about earlier, like I alluded to earlier, the world tells us. You can't pour from an empty glass. You need to make sure your cup is overflowing and then you can give the leftovers of the overflow. But the Bible here, it literally says that everyone gave out of their wealth in verse 44, but she out of her poverty. Put in everything, all she had to live on. So this is agape. This is giving all you have. This is putting in everything. This is a love that God has called us to have. And I think you know, even thinking about it, like, because I've been sitting here, I've been thinking about it, meditating on it, you know, keeping it on my heart, right? Um, and, you know, the Bible tells us to do that, to meditate on God's words, because as you think about it, like, new things are opening, new things are unlocking. And as I was just thinking about it, I was like, wow, agape love. Because even in the case of the Good Samaritan, that's one time, right? And some people will do one good thing and ride off of it for the rest of their life, right? Right. But God is calling us to do that in every circumstance, in every opportunity, to every single person, not just in emergency situations, not just when someone is super, super desperate and really, really needs it, right? Because then it's kind of like you're doing it out of obligation, right? But we do it because God loves us. We give everything we have. We give our last because that's what God did for us, right? So that's just something I want us to really... Think about this week and pray about on how we can show the love that God shows us. How can we grow in this way, right? Because God is calling us to grow. So thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate your time. I know this was a long episode. Like when I was sitting out here, it was light and now it's dark, but (laughs) now it's getting dark. But like I said, if you are not a believer in Jesus, God's arms are wide open to you. All you have to do is A B C accept, believe, and confess. The Bible says in first John one nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. Romans ten nine says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God was raised from the dead, so that's that be right, believe in your heart that God was raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved so if you a accept this message and b believe in your heart you'll be justified and confess and you'll be saved so father god i thank you so much for this time together with my wonderful listeners my wonderful friends my wonderful brothers and sisters in christ father We worship you and we lift your name on high, Lord. We spend this time here together to grow in your ways, Father God, to grow in understanding, to be more like you, Lord. I pray that these words will be on our heart through this week, Father God. I pray that you will touch us, Father God. I pray that you will open our hearts to have that agape love, Father God. I thank you for all the love that's been in the air, Father God, but I thank you that your love is greater and transcends all of those things, Father God i thank you that you love all of us with agape love father god i thank you that your love is not conditional because if it was god we could never earn it we could never deserve it we would never receive it father so i thank you so much that you have opened your heart onto us and that we have the opportunity to know you that we have the opportunity to grow in you and that we have the opportunity to be citizens of heaven lord i thank you for everyone who is listening And I pray that your hand will be over them and that you will guide them in this week. And in everything that they have coming up, Father God, that you will be a light onto their feet. We worship you. We love you. We adore you. And give us the opportunity to love on those around us this week, Father. And every week. And every day. And every second. Every minute. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. Bye.